Okay, so um, as you can probably see on the screen uh, in a minute, uh, we're starting a new series uh, this week uh, called Foundations. And uh, this is uh, focusing in on uh, Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42, uh, which we'll read in a minute. Uh, we've got to this point uh, by working through from Easter uh, all of the kind of events between uh, Easter through to Pentecost, uh, which was last week. And then we're coming to rest now at the end uh, of Acts chapter 2 uh, and just going to spend a little bit of time uh, here uh, until August uh, looking uh, at this section. And uh, this is really about, it's called Foundations uh, because uh, it's about the foundational practices, the things that the early church did uh, that we can get a hold of and uh, understand better uh, for us and what that means for us uh, here today. Okay, so um, we're going to read uh, the ends of cha uh, chapter 2 in Acts. Uh, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, you can follow. It will also appear uh, up on the screen. I'm actually going to start at verse 41. It says, So those who received his word, so this refers just to the previous section we did last week. Peter has just stood up uh, and uh, preached the gospel, the good news about Jesus, uh, to everyone who was listening. So that's who it's referring to there. Those who received his word were baptised and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe come, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, I wonder, particularly at this time of year, do you ever find yourself, when you go on holiday, wishing that you lived somewhere else? We go on holiday places because they're nice. And if you're anything like me and Helen, you probably go round and go, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to live here? It just seems more exciting than Hatfield. I think reading this today is, it can be a little bit like that for us as a church. We're visiting somewhere else, some other time than here. Can you imagine what it would be like if we got to live like that? But we don't live in first century Jerusalem. We live in Hatfield in 2022. And there can be a feeling some, somehow that things have somehow got a little bit ordinary compared to back then. We want to take our time going through this passage. Um, we're going to go uh, through this uh, four, the next four weeks, we're going to be going through uh, Acts 2, um, 42. And um, the basic 
principle that we're going to be uh, doing here uh, is looking at what they did in the early church and then trying to understand what does that mean for us. So uh, you'll notice that I didn't actually start at Acts 2.42. I started in verse 41. Uh, and the reason for that, um, if we just uh, go on to the next slide, um, hopefully you can see the colours. Um, so this highlights here, I've just highlighted in yellow, there are two statements that kind of are like beginning and end of this section. And both of them are about growth. Uh, so at the top there, you've got, they were added about that day about 3,000 souls. And the bottom, the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So that, this is kind of marking out this section. Uh, so it, Chris, you go to the next slide. Um, the thing that I wanted to just observe about this, this is, by the way, is not just me that's found this, is something that I've seen somebody else write about, um, is pointing back to the beginning of Genesis, uh, where it says that God creates man, and then he says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So there is a... What Luke, as he writes this, is pointing us back to is this is a moment of rebirth, of new creation. And then everything is kind of saying, look, pay attention to what's in between those two statements because there's something of significance here. So on the next slide, we've got Acts chapter 2, 42, which is a kind of like a summary statement of everything that comes after it. Uh, so the first thing that they devoted themselves to in the early church was the apostles' teaching. And then you have verse 43 that expands on that. All came upon every soul, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That's what it looked like to be devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Then you have the fellowship. Chris? Yep. Thanks. Uh, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So that's what fellowship looked like. Uh, next one, uh, the breaking of bread. Um, they had, uh, so sorry, 44 and 45. I forgot to highlight that, my mistake. So that's the previous one. 46 is about the breaking of bread. Uh, so this is a kind of almost like an expansion of what that community looked like. Um, so they were... Uh, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. And then finally, the prayers. What were they doing when they were praying? Uh, they were praising God. And uh, you have this comment here about them having favour uh, with all the people. So why do these things matter? Why did Luke think to write about this in this kind of quite systematic kind of way? Um, so if we go to the next slide, Chris. These are, this is a summary, so we'll just kind of keep this up for the rest of this morning, um, or the rest of the time I'm talking anyway. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This matters because God is a God of clarity and of revelation. We talked about that last week. People don't know God if they don't hear about him. And God backs, him, backs it up by the Holy Spirit. There are wonders and there are signs done. When, when we teach about Jesus, we expect the Holy Spirit to do things. Secondly, fellowship. Uh, we've got this uh, statement about having things uh, in common. Community and fellowship matters because relationship is central to the good news about Jesus. God is one God 
but he's also Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit together. And that's a community that we are made in the image of. And Jesus actually prayed for us that we would be one and that the world would know him through that oneness. That's in John 17, 23. And as they, he goes on to talk about the breaking of bread, there's something really special about the reality of eating together, but also that this is a picture that scripture uses to show the world the oneness. There's something special about inviting somebody into your home and sharing a meal with them. And prayer matters, point four, because it connects us uh, with God's heart. I'm not going to say too much more about this because we've got more in the weeks to come. Um, what I do want to do uh, today is draw out two big picture principles I hope will help us as we think about uh, these verses. The first one is, I talked at the very beginning about going on holiday. Why do we travel? Why do we go places? Wouldn't it be great if we could get on a plane and visit first century Jerusalem and see all of this happening firsthand? But the reality is we can now, post-COVID, praise God, get on a plane and visit all sorts of other places. What value does that have to us? Well, we get to experience the culture in that other place. We get to appreciate other people, build connection with them. But then the reality is we have to come home again. And if you're anything like me, at the end of holidays, you can feel quite sad. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if things were always like this? After we spend time in end of Acts chapter 2, just imagining what it would be like to be there, we can come back going, oh, wouldn't it be great if KCC was more like this? But the thing is, the ingredients that we're talking about here of the early church and of KCC are just the same. So we value prayer. We value telling people about Jesus. We love the Holy Spirit and what he does. Uh, We love each other and we love being community together. But the outcome can look kind of a little bit different from what's going on there. The thing is, God doesn't change. This whole thing is bracketed at the beginning and end about these statements about the abundance of God. God is always abundant. However, the first thing I would just comment is that we are in a different culture. 2022 Hatfield does not look in or feel like first century Jerusalem. But I would also suggest that maybe we are in a different season i kind of expand what I mean by that. Um, churches across the world have found dealing with COVID difficult. Um, and in the UK, on, for the most part, we have tended to see church attendance uh, decline. And it can be easy to get discouraged by that. And for that reason, some people have called the season that we're in now winter. It can be hard to see things grow right now but God hasn't changed. It's so valuable to spend time somewhere different, even if it's not literally, 
Right now, I feel like spending a bit of time in Axe is a bit like getting on a plane to fly to the southern hemisphere. You flip from, summer to, uh, from winter to summer and back again. And observing the ease of the growth of that church is meant to encourage and to inspire us, as well as give us hope that this season that we are in at the moment will change. It's also, I think, worth commenting as kind of as a side note, the winter has its own value. I'm quite keen on gardening. I know lots of other people maybe are not so much, but pardon me just for a minute while I just draw out a few things from that. Winter having its own value in gardening is when diseases die. It's when underlying structure is clear. It's a good time to see when things are exposed. The sky is blue and it's crisp. It's a great time to put things in their right places, to lay new paths, to nurture what is hidden below ground. This isn't just my thinking and my ideas. The Bible has something to say about this too. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about seasons. It says there's a time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to gather together and a time to scatter. The disciples, by the time they get to this point in Acts, have gone through being scattered, uprooted, even in fear of their lives, as Jesus was taken to be crucified. But those very darkest days were there for a reason which they now understood. Jesus was raised and ascended as king, and now they have the Holy Spirit. So what is God doing here, now, in Hatfield, in our season? And how is it different from the church in Acts 2? I'd love to be able to give a really neat summary. But what I can say is that these principles, these foundations, are just the same. And it's going to be really valuable spending time thinking about these four things over the coming weeks. Also, I think... It's just worth saying that Jesus told the disciples when they asked him, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, what's the plan? What are you, what, what's going on? What are, we, what are we doing? Jesus, The first thing Jesus says to them before he says anything else is it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Just like the disciples, we don't know what's around the corner but we do have the same instructions to go and to make disciples. And we do that by talking about Jesus, by being genuine community, by praying, just as the early church did. And when we do these things, we keep ourselves connected to God, who is the source of all abundance, whatever the season. My second point is a little bit shorter, don't worry. Um, My second point is keep it simple. I wonder when you read this kind of account in Acts, do you ever get, I do, uh, this little voice in your head that's saying, oh, but you don't do that. For example, that whole section about selling what you have. Details like this comparing how the early church responded to Jesus to how we respond to Jesus' call on our lives and really deeply challenge us. 
But the reasons they had for doing the things that they did were really simple. Love God, love other people. The motivation for anything we do is that simple. We tell people about Jesus, point one, because we love him and we love them. That's what motivated the apostles uh, to teach. It's the same for us. We care for those around us, point two, because we love them. We want to take every opportunity we can to show God's love for them. It builds genuine community. Point three, we care for those around us because we love them. And we want to take every opportunity we can to show God's love. Uh, sorry, we share, we share our lives, not just our food, but that's a part of it, because we want to love people the way God has loved us. And fourthly, we pray and worship because we love God. So that's the big picture. Love God, love other people. The more precise we get about how do we do that, how do we love God, how do we love other people, the more we get into details. But the details follow the big picture. You can't paint a landscape and start with the houses. You start with the sky and the land. Love God, love other people. We paint our picture on a different canvas from theirs. The details will look different for all sorts of other reasons. But we have the same foundation washes of colour. Love God, love other people. Looking at their church can, uh, can bring inspiration Stories like these always do. And often it's actually the details that bring us the challenge and the inspiration about what we're doing for ourselves. We need to be careful of anything that comes close to trying to replicate or copy details from their picture to ours. So I gave the example of selling stuff and how my own reaction in my head was to go to, oh gosh, not good enough falling short here when I looked at my own life. It might be that God calls us to care for the poor here in Hatfield in exactly the same way. But if I focus and fixate on copying that detail from their detail, their picture to mine, I probably miss the motivation behind it. Why God had them do that and what God might be asking me to do instead. The big picture is about sacrificial love, the way that Jesus showed it. If we get hung up on details, we can distort our whole perspective, and even, as I was kind of hinting at at the beginning, start to question whether our love for God and other people meets the mark at all. It doesn't work that way. God is the master artist, not us. And I hope if this series, spending this time in these verses, teaches us anything, it's how to discern God's leading for the time we are in now. So keep it simple. Don't get derailed by the details, but build them up as God inspires and challenges us together to live for him. So I'm just going to wrap things up in a minute. If the band could uh, come back. God is calling us to a life of really simple obedience, like 
the disciples had in the early church. And we get inspired by stories that build faith. We like a trip to somewhere different. It refreshes us. And it brings us back to where we are with a fresh perspective. God is calling many of us in this room to take steps of obedience. And particularly, we need to ask God for faith when it's something that we don't see anybody else doing ahead of us. The disciples are working out something new every day in these verses, but it all worked because it centred on God. They trusted him with everything. So I want to pray uh, for us uh, now. Before I do, I just... As I was praying, what, praying during the worship time, I was asking God, what, I don't feel like I've got everything here. <laughs> There's something else you want to say, and it kind of came through in the worship, but I just want to underline it. This thing about abundance, finding <coughs> abundance in the season that you're in, Maybe you feel, maybe you don't feel that your life is in a winter season at the moment, but for many of us, we do can feel like that. Helen brought that word about God never being far away, even if he feels it. And Rose brought that amazing scripture about God surrounding us as the hills surround Jerusalem. I just feel that God wants this morning to break into our, our lives and say, I'm, I'm right next to you. I'm right with you. I see it all. And I am a God, God of abundance in this season. Your life might look nothing like Acts 2, early church land. But God is the same and his heart is the same for you and for the people around you. He loves you. He wants good things for you. So I just want to pray that uh, over us as a church. If you're able to, if you could stand, uh, and then um, Paul and Sarah and the band will uh, lead us in a, a final song. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are calling us to something very, very simple. Thank you that you're just calling us to hear your voice and be obedient. And thank you that as we hear your voice, we hear the same voice that said, let there be light, and there was light. It said, let there be all sorts of wonderful things. And they just came into being. You are the God of abundance in every season, no matter what is going on around us. You are a good, good God. And you are not far off. You surround us. And we just want to lift our eyes to you this morning and see you again. I just pray by your Holy Spirit, you would just bring clarity into this room where there's been darkness and discouragement and confusion. Break in by your Holy Spirit and just bring revelation. You are the God of revelation, the God of life. 
and you know our next steps. You know what's ahead of us and you're calling us, even if nobody else is doing it. May we know your voice so clearly, saying this is the path, walk in it. Do not deviate to the left or the right. May we know your voice. We pray all this in Jesus' name, the one who saved us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.